I'm Les Miles, and this is Less is More. Another great week in college football. A lot of great things. Smack, what do you see as the best part of the weekend? My favorite thing this weekend was seeing all the Saints players throw up the X when they scored. It was just really special to me because I am a fan of Dez's and I'm also an athlete that's been injured and knows how hard that is and how gut-wrenching it is when you think you're nearing your break and then you end up, end up injured. So seeing them and seeing them talk to the media about it and just knowing that a team is not just the players on the field. A team is the support staff, the backup players, the coaches, everyone's part of it. So just that support and how quickly they took to him was so, it made me smile. Yeah, you know what, I think you make a great point. The the football is a contact sport, it's violence, there's injury. Some guys um, try to not personalize that kind of contact. But uh, when... And Des Bryant has a, a full-blown Achilles heel, and it's terrible. And it, what, what has to happen and what people have to realize is that these injuries cost people their livelihood. Yeah. John, what was your favorite part of the weekend? Well, we were talking about possibly some non-football issues. I uh, had the pleasure of raking leaves for, for four hours today up here in the Midwest. <laughs> uh, my, I my ran kids, outside. It was kids. warm. <laughs> Are you jealous? Well, we had, yeah, very much so, because typically I'd have a little help from my sons. One, uh, Jack, got to go out to, uh, to see his first game in the Coliseum. He saw his friend Ian Bunting and Mo Ways, two uh, his teammates from Michigan. They're playing their fifth year at Cal uh, Berkeley as a fifth-year transfer, and uh, they went out there and, and beat the USC Trojans in the Coliseum, and my son Jack had the great memorable experience to see his two buddies play and, and have them beat the Trojans in the Coliseum. So that was it was great that he went out there and supported them and, and had that experience. Uh, I've never seen a game live in the Coliseum, but I always wanted to, to experience that, and then I got to come home after watching a great Michigan victory there and uh, against Rutgers and uh, break leaves for five hours to get them out to the street because we had snow on Friday mm. and the leaves were covered and they were very wet, Les, and, and snappy. <laughs> and hey, John. Great, I got a great, work, great workout pulling the tarp from the backyard. With oh, I, I just want you to know something. I, I really am glad that, that he shed light on, on that weekend because I have, I'm a guy who has never raked a leaf. Never. <laughs> Dad doesn't even know how to work the microwave. Yeah, microwave is a, is a real difficult <laughs> issue for me. And the reason is just because of this, this profession that uh, I chose. And, uh, you know, going in early and staying till late. And, uh, and like right now, right now on a Sunday night, um, I would think that the, every, every college coach would be burning the midnight oil. He'll, 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 he'll be in there till 10 o'clock tonight. So uh, minimal. Absolutely. We, we were there till 12. We were there till 12 for Coach Sean Beckler on Sundays, breaking down the, uh, the, the opponents, team, getting the posters. Yeah. What we had to and, get uh, done, though, is, is our, bre- our breakdowns as, as a, as a, basically as an analyst or a GA at that time 
was to break mm-hmm. down the film, you know, separate the, the style of formation so that, you know, you're seeing how they're defending the formation and, um, you know, going from the red zone to the, to the uh, uh, midfield stripe to the goal line and all the different situations. And it was a, a time where we learned a lot of football just, you know, by watching the film for, for hours. Am I right, John? Absolutely. Yeah, back and forth. And that was the what? Was it 16 millimeter, 9 millimeter? What did they? Like, <laughs> 9, nine millimeter is a gun. I think I think I think it's a definitely. I have no idea, but it, honestly, it was. It, it had little little perforated uh, um, on the on the outside as it rolled through the projection unit. It made a lot of noise, and if certainly if something were to break, a staple would end up you know connecting the tape, and uh, and, and Coach Schembechler would bark. At, uh, at myself or or Blade or uh, or you, John, get me a stapler in here! Damn it, this this film busted again. So obviously now we use very different film. It's all digital, obviously, and probably much easier to get from team to team. But that being said, when you go in and you have that first initial look at a new team, you're having that late night Sunday. Is there a reality at times that this team is better than us or? We really should beat this team. When you look at it, you see how you're going to attack them. You see the, the, the piece, not necessarily that guy's a bad player. You're seeing how um, they line up specifically to the formation that they're going to play. And it's a, it's a technical view. It's not necessarily personnel. Personnel's done it at another time. But if a, let's just say, a three technique, somebody lines up on the guard, or a defensive end that's a light guy that you want to match up with your tight end, you look for those formations that put the personnel that you want to match up against in the spot that you want to take advantage of them. So in other words, um, you 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 want to put a two tight end formation out there because that little bugger has got to line up on one of them. And then when they line up there, we're going to go and pound them. So, or um, if the corner in a three by one spot on the individual receiver is the guy that you can take advantage of down the field, oh my goodness, right? So, and you're going to see that because the formation allows the, there's going to be multiplicity in the, in the formation. You're going to be seeing, you'll see a bunch of them, and then you will see other teams, or you will see an inability for that corner to match up with a number of teams. Staying on the scouting front, we have to talk about Tua again. I know we mention him each week. Is the Heisman his to lose right now? He's pretty good. He is pretty, pretty good. I, yeah. <laughs> Understatement no, I think, and captain over there. But yeah, but this guy's the next <laughs> quarterback. I mean, this guy, the guy that's answering the question right now, he knows exactly what's going on. He has taken snaps in big games. Rose Bowl champion. I like it. Let's well, hear it, John. Yeah, I, I really like Tua, uh, and I think he's having a great year. You, you're talking about the most dominant team in college football uh, this season, and, uh, you know, they're talking about this being one of the great Alabama teams ever. Um, I think coming off of what he did last year in the national championship game, you know, there was no uh, sophomore jinx, and he's just taking it to another level. He's shown the ability. I mean, obviously – 
he can throw. He has great accuracy and arm strength and poise, all those good things. But he's shown he can make plays with his feet. And um, if they continue down this path, I don't, I don't see anyone uh, close to him. I mean, obviously, skill positions, especially quarterbacks, you know, are, are more favors, favored in, in Heisman voting and being the, the, the top player on, on the top team in, in college football today. Uh, he's uh, definitely uh, the forerunner, and it is his, I, I believe it is his to lose. I agree. Dad? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. I, I've never seen a guy who's as accurate and can throw the ball as hard. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can throw the ball hard, and that ball is a riser, and it's it comes up to their eyes and continues on, and it's difficult to catch. But he throws a ball that really pinpoints the the uh, the tip of the ball, and he throws it hard. Yet. It is a very, very catchable ball. I probably want to take the word hard out and say firm. I mean, he, his ball is, if he's throwing it 50 yards, it's where it should be, and the the uh, trajectory of the ball is down. It's not up and away. It is not a difficult catch where the guy has to you know, take a, a backside grab. It is pretty routinely. Now, he'll throw a bad ball, obviously. We all do, but um, uh, occasionally – this guy is maybe the most accurate, um, strong throw um, quarterback I've ever been around. I mean, I, I just it's it's amazing, and and he's highlighted with three great uh, receivers. Isn't that a beautiful sound? Dad is having a hard time staying with us at the moment. When you talk about the sophomore jinx, you mentioned John. To me, a lot of that is intangibles, and Tua's ability to stay level-headed and after they had that first drive against the LSU defense where they didn't score for the first time on the opening possession all year, he really stuck with it and didn't get shaken. And then this weekend, they played Mississippi State, and he did the same thing. He had another really good game. What I like about Tua, obviously, the, the physical skills are great. We talked about you know his arm strength and throwing a tight spiral and, and his accuracy. Uh coupled with making a catchable ball. But he is, for a guy, you know, a lot of guys with real strong arms, you know, don't have touch. And, and, and he's shown great touch, uh, you know, throwing the football when he has to take a little off or drop it in there. And uh, he's very uh, developed and in, in, in wise beyond his years as far as throwing the football and, and having that presence. Uh, and, and to your point, Smackers, you know, as a sophomore, you know, he, he hasn't, you know, played it. You know, he played a whole year this year. He played a little last year. But uh, he has got great poise. That's what I like about him the most. He's, he's very, you know, mature for, for a young you know, quarterback. And, uh, you know, he, he is ahead of the game as far as the mental aspect. And, and it's all about intangible quarterbacks. We love the great physical skills of, you know, uh, projecting the six six. you know, guy with the rifle who can run like a deer, but uh, he's got a lot of intangibles that really, you know, separate him from, from the rest of the pack. Alabama's as noteworthy as ever. Is this the best Alabama team that Nick Saban has had? Well, John, I have been around a number of those uh, Alabama teams, and they're, they've, the, the teams that have been their best are all formidable. Um, I, think that, I think the defensive line – that that's on this team is most mobile and is a 
I mean, they can sack and pressure without adding guys to the to the uh, force unit, and it's a four-man rush, and they are dominant. And they, they stop the run, they stop the pass, and uh, I think that they're special. I think the linebackers are, when you're talking about their greatest teams, I think they're coming now because they're very young. One was One's a true freshman. And um, a, but he's also a uh, um, Buckus Award watch list. So, but I think that they're certainly tremendous players. Maybe not the best linebackers that uh, Alabama's ever had, but with with youth that they have, certainly they're coming. I think the the weakness of the defense is one place, one place only in the secondary. And I think that they, their, their safeties, the guys that have been injured, the guys that have to match up with some of these um, great uh, receivers, they're quality and they're certainly uh, good players. But uh, I think if I had to pick a weakness, that'd be it. Now, offensively, that offensive line is a powerful, moving thing because what they did against LSU, LSU's defensive front is a tremendous defensive front. And Dave Aranda knows exactly how to stop that run. And they loaded the box, and it didn't make any difference. They ran at will, and they have big backs that pound in there that have speed. And uh, so they can rush the football. And we've been talking about Tua, but those receivers are spectacular. Those guys can move their feet and stop on a dime, and they, they're, they're confident about catching the ball. In other words, they use their hands, they snatch it, and then they get their eyes right back on the, the defender that would tackle them. And, and Tua, rightfully so, may be the most dangerous man in college football. So I don't know that anybody matches this team, to be honest with you. I think as a team, they have just about everything. Yeah, I, I, you, you know, you've seen them up close. You've coached against them, played against them. Um, I think if they continue to do what they've done so far this season and finish this thing out, uh, yeah, I guess you, they'd have to be in the conversation of being one of Alabama's greatest teams. You know, there, there's a lot of football still to be played, you know, and you know, we're not just going to hand it over to them. There's some teams that I think would like to take a shot at them. But on paper, and when, they, when you have the kind of recruiting classes that they've had, over the past five years or ten years, however far you want to go back, I mean, it's no accident that, that these guys are, are playing the way they are and, and are, are the type of dominant teams that, that uh, we see because they have consistently been top one, two, three over the last five years, and, uh, you know, it, it, it pays off. And to couple that with the facilities and the coaching, um, that's, a, that's a tough combination. Let's stop with the hypotheticals and move on to some recaps, some things that have already happened. Mississippi State was at Alabama. Alabama gets back-to-back shutouts against ranked opponents. They win 24 to nothing. I wasn't surprised. Nick Fitzgerald wasn't going to be able to beat the Alabama defense himself, so the idea that they wouldn't score any points is not earth-shattering to me. Congrats to Alabama for that unbelievable stat. It is an unbelievable stat, but it's predictable at this point. Yeah, yeah, Nick does not throw the ball well. They, they What they did in uh, the LSU game is they ran and ran and ran the quarterback, and they got nothing. They came back out and in the next outing, threw the football pretty well, hit a couple deep balls. and But now 
Mississippi State is not a passing team, and and you you can't beat Alabama running the quarterback. Can't not not possible. LSU beat Arkansas. That wasn't a surprising one either. It was pretty much the Nick Brissett, Justin Jefferson show. I appreciated that. That football team was ready for some cold weather because it was cool in Arkansas. And those boys from the, the uh, southern part of the state, they, they're not as comfortable in cold weather, but they played well. I think the Arkansas team is uh, on the rebuild, and I think they looked like when they played LSU. We just talked about how Notre Dame doesn't have much left on their schedule, in my opinion. They still have USC and Syracuse, but they beat Florida State in a blowout. That wasn't surprising. Florida State has a losing record right now. Notre Dame won 42-13. to Wow. I was thinking that it might be a little difficult there, you know, because Florida State still has some athletes. Now, they're struggling, but they have some players, and then, you know, Winbush had to come in uh, and, and to sub for Ian Bach, and uh, he tossed it around to the, the wrong colored jersey a couple times. Florida State, if they would have risen to the occasion with their athletes, this could have been one that they could have got them. But it was up at Notre Dame, and it was it was cool, and uh, it didn't happen. But uh, I'm with you. I, Notre Dame's a good team. They, they just they just keep winning. None of them, no blowouts, nothing overly impressive. But they continue to win, and uh, you know there's something to it. They, they find a way, and uh, and they did. So. Yeah, for the forty two thirteen. Uh, I guess that's a blowout, right? Yeah, that's I, th- a blowout. I consider yeah, that a blowout. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's a blowout. But that's the only blowout they've had. <laughs> the amount of Notre Dame hate on this yeah. podcast is unbelievable. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're right, John. Uh, Notre Dame's the natural spread of, of victories about ten points. I think but, it might be less than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but then with this forty-two, yeah, there's some, hate. There's some Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know, like you said, hate's a strong word, but yeah. there's some lack of love for Notre Dame. Yeah. What the heck, babe? We, we wore winged helmets, right, John? I mean, let's tell the truth. Yeah, so, we wore winged helmets. Yeah. Yes. But I, I, it's, it's sad that our, our guys, uh, Florida State, are having a bad year, five and four and five. Are they your guys yeah. because they played Notre Dame last week? Because yeah. I've never heard you refer to Florida State as our guys. Well, I, I, okay, I'm, this is this conversation. We're going to move on. No, I'm going to stop you. Stop. Here's the here's what you have to understand. Uh, Florida State is a team that needs to be big for college football. You need to look around the landscape and see Texas to be big. You need to see Ohio State to be big. You need to see Washington to be big. And and Florida State needs to be a part of the conversation. I think Florida needs That's to have two teams. It needs to be Florida and Miami or Florida and Florida State. Either way, Florida needs two good teams, and right now they have one, maybe. Moving on to the bummer of Bedlam. Central Florida. <laughs> no, we're, no. <laughs> then I'll get mad. <laughs> then I'm going to get into this argument. That's the best team in Florida. <laughs> no. Okay, so Oklahoma State got beat by one point in the Bedlam game. Tell John. That's a heartbreaker for Oklahoma State people. 47-48. to OU has been in so many shootouts this year. I can't watch it. It's so stressful. Well, I want you to know, the Bedlam game, all bets are off. And I thought that OSU Cowboys played so hard. The decision to go for two at home um, is going to be scrutinized. But I don't scrutinize Mike. Mike has the feel. He's on the field. He understands. He says this is the time to win it. I don't know about the play. I mean, the play is basically 
they ran a guy in motion and they brought him out with width. It is the most common two-point play that I've seen for the last really several years. I think that they kind of recognized it, went over there and made a nice play on the ball, and that was the game. 640 yards of offense wow. compared to 702 yards of offense. Mm, mm, mm. That's a track meet. Yeah, oh, yep. Yeah, it is a track meet. Legitimate. Okay, moving on to another one that will get you all heated. Ohio State was at Michigan State. I know you probably didn't want either of them to win, but Ohio State won 26-6. I called it. Thank you. Hey, what did I call? I wanted Ohio State I'm to win. I'm pretty sure you thought Michigan State, State was going to win. Ohio State, we want Ohio State to win every game and then beat them at the end, of course. That's correct. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Yeah. But you know what? It's going to be interesting. Since the beginning of the college football playoff rankings in 2014, someone has gotten left out since week 11. So there's been someone who was in the top four during week 11 that ended up out of the top four and not making the playoffs. Right now, the rankings are Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and Notre Dame. So assuming one of them gets left out, just because that's what the past tells us, which one is it? Well, I can tell you this. The Clemson team may have an Achilles heel to it. But they're not going to get beat. Yeah, they're not going to. It's so exactly it's not right. Clemson. We've exactly right. My favorite phone. His favorite phone. Okay, I'm gonna. We can work on putting it on silent. Yeah, let's work on that. <laughs> John, who gets left out? Yeah, who gets left out? Wangs. Come on. I don't think Clemson's losing. I agree with you too. I don't think Alabama's going to lose to Georgia. I don't think Notre Dame's going to lose. Oh, uh, John, what are you saying? Well, I'm not saying Michigan's going to get left <laughs> out, but. If you're saying who is in the most precarious position, I, it's probably us because of of the game that's looming. Um, obviously, we, if we take care of Indiana this week and we play uh, Ohio State, that we have the toughest game left uh, of any of those schools uh, out there. This could also be this could also be the first year that one of the Week Eleven teams doesn't get left out. That'd be well, unusual. That, that's, that's a great point. But on paper, you know, if you're, ha- if you're saying, if we don't beat Ohio State, uh, we're going to be out. Mm-hmm. And if, if we beat Ohio State and then we win the Big Ten from the, beat the uh, team that represents the West, yeah, we'll be in. Hey, John, I think we're due. I think Jim Harbaugh wins against Ohio State and, and gets into the playoffs. And I think that that is a tremendous uh, – I mean, it's, it's too close. And the, and the Ohio State team, who is a talented team, can play so average and play so uh, nonchalant. And uh, I just think, it's, I just think yeah, Michigan right. wants it more. I do too. I think we're going to beat them. But we have the toughest game against an opponent of any of those four teams. If it was multiple choice, by odds, you're wanting to go with C, Michigan. We can all probably agree on that, just based on the fact that the other teams don't have as tough of a schedule. Yeah, as. yeah, but this this is all conjecture. I mean, this is all, you know, it, it, who, who, uh, who wins, who loses. I think Michigan beats Ohio State. I don't think they go anywhere. I think that Notre Dame really doesn't deserve to be in the top four. 
I think I say they fall out. You are such a Michigan man right now, hating on Ohio State, and then you move the hate right to Notre Dame. I don't know. I'm not hating anybody. I'm just telling you about the game. Okay, but the question, the question, we're losing sight of the question. I think Michigan would be every today would be every team in there. Alabama would be a tight game, but I think we'd be Clemson, Mich- uh, and Notre Dame, or Georgia. But the question is. What is team is in the most precarious position? It could be the odd man out. We have the toughest game by far playing Ohio State. You can say whatever you want about Ohio State, and we all know Ohio State like the back of our hand. If there's one game, they can be playing terribly, but they have as much talent as anybody in the country. They've had a top three recruiting class the last four years, just like Clemson and Alabama. If those guys decide, no matter what's going on down there, okay, that they're going to get up and in, in the horseshoe, the seniors' last game, it's going to be as great a dogfight as we've ever had. So we, we have the toughest game by far. Okay? So that makes us in the toughest position. Okay. I think we're going to beat them. Yeah, I agree with you. And we're going to. But you're right about the horseshoe. That horseshoe's it's an intimidating place to play, and, it, and there's noise that abounds. Now, I'm going back to Notre Dame. Syracuse has played some very good football this year. Okay. Notre Dame only has – USC and Syracuse left on their schedule, which obviously is not as strong as Michigan having Ohio State to beat. Well, I don't know. I right. watched. I wait. Listen, man. I watched that Purdue Ohio State game was just a devastating loss to that team, and there's still conversation that's going on at, at, at that stadium and in that in those locker rooms about you know how does coach feel, and so to me, I think this is Michigan's year. I think Notre Dame is in a position where, you know what, they're waiting to get in the playoffs and it's a trap game. And Syracuse is good enough. And USC is definitely good enough. But no one will convince the Notre Dame team that they're a great team because they have lost games. Let's talk predictions. Cincinnati is at UCF. 12th ranked UCF. What a game. Who are you picking? Best team in Florida. They're going to beat them. <laughs> they're not going down to the Bear Kitty Cats. Come on. Come on. They're, look, at they're rolling. At home? Uh, no way. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think UCF at home. And know that the, uh, the uh, defense on that Cincinnati team is very good. But UCF is ready to play. Longest winning streak in the nation, 22 games. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I enough. still don't think that they make the playoffs. That's enough. No, they're not making the playoffs, but they're the best team in Florida. <laughs> number 13, Syracuse, be. is at number three, Notre Dame. I'm picking Notre Dame. I don't think they lose. <laughs> I want to pick Notre Dame to lose to Syracuse and or the next team they play, which would be USC. It's hard for anybody yeah. to line up in that, in that environment. This might be uh, – I may have to pick uh, Syracuse. Excuse me. I'm going to pick <laughs> Notre Dame. Dad and Baker both woke, woke up feeling dangerous today. I, that's exactly <laughs> Did right. Did you hear I, that? No, I didn't. Baker Mayfield in his post-game press conference said he woke up feeling dangerous. Oh, Lord. I appreciated oh, that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I'm glad my daughter did. Wait, wait. But, Les, but Les, you just... You just were waxing eloquently I know. for 10 minutes. I know. For but 10 minutes about the Syracuse Orangemen. Yeah. And, 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 and now you, you go Notre Dame? Here's why. Syracuse plays inside, 
that dome is a hot place. I've, I've You're we've played there. Here. No, I have played there. I and know you now, have. And now, and now you go to Notre Dame. It's cold. It's not what you want. And Notre Dame's right at home. And in Notre Dame, as you know, is the hotbed of Catholic talent. I mean, let's tell it the way it is. I'm going to have to pick uh, Notre Dame, even though. Is there a secret I tactic to. to recruiting Catholic football players? What do you do? How would you, you change you your wear, You wear the Notre Dame approach. shirt and hat, and you walk into a, a, a quality school, and you, you present a Notre Dame education, and I think, it's a, I think it's a very viable piece. I don't necessarily think it competes educationally with other regional schools <laughs> and national schools. Michigan's education was certainly <laughs> very quality. A Big 12 showdown this weekend. Number 22, Iowa State, goes to number 19, Texas, in the greatest city on earth. But Texas is coming off a rough weekend. They won, but it was a little bit of a shootout at Texas Tech. A tough one for the Horns. Not what you wanted to see from the Texas defense. So what are we thinking about their momentum compared to Iowa State's? I like Brock Purdy. I think 22 Iowa State gets after him. And I understand it's at Texas. I get that. I like the swagger of this this Iowa State team. I really do. You know who else was feeling dangerous this weekend? Who? Zach Smith. When he went off on Tom Herman. There's a brewing issue in the backdrop of the uh, Texas Longhorns. Uh, Smack, I'll let you regroup that. But that may also be a distraction for the coaching staff and for the players. Go ahead, Smack. Zach Smith, the coach that was fired from Ohio State for the allegations about his girlfriend being beat by him, has since moved on to trying to interfere with Coach Herman's job. He went off on Twitter on a complete rant that included probably about 10 tweets. And he said that Coach Herman cheated on his wife, that Coach Herman's wife would confide in Zach Smith's girlfriend about him cheating on her and him being a bad person. He also accused Coach Herman of drinking a lot and getting with a woman at an Asian massage parlor. That was what Zach Smith said. So some drama in Austin surrounding the football program that they really don't have much control over right now considering Coach Herman can do nothing but defend himself and say that it's not true. Yeah, there's, it, wow. there's there's nothing that, that comes good out of this. If you're a Texas Longhorn fan, you you have to put it on the perimeter. It's something that, that waits. It does not take precedent in front of practice. It doesn't take precedent in during a game. It doesn't take precedent, period. You leave it on the perimeter. You handle the players. Uh, if they want to talk about it, then give them a time. But get it away from practice, away from meetings, and away from playing. Because you, that is the only way that this team turns the page and goes and gets to play for victory. But we're all on the outside. So we get on Twitter. I get on. I see that the Texas-Austin local media is covering it heavily. I see all the retweets. But I don't know Coach Herman personally the way his players do. So we have to imagine that his players have an inside perception of him that they will either feel like there's no way that's not him or they'll be reading those tweets going, yeah, that kind of lines up with some stuff that I feel like he might do, right? And you have to figure when you know the person, your judgment of the situation will be different than someone who doesn't know the person. So to say that there's not going to be drama, they're all going to be talking about it, trying to figure it out. 
Yeah, I, it's a uh, distraction. It's not right. It's not good. It's not good for college football. It's not what it should be. Even before all the the drama, I'm picking Iowa State. All right, Coach Campbell's got him rolling. I, I agree. I, I think this is. Uh, I, I just feel like you mentioned the Brock Purdy, and uh, they're on a five game winning streak, and uh, I think that these guys are have the momentum, and I think Texas. Is struggling a little bit, and, and there, and, and this other situation that cropped up. But even before that, I, I, I'm going Iowa State. I got you. I'm picking the Longhorns because I like to pick the Longhorns. Of course you, of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. Number nine, West Virginia goes to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State needs this win big time. West Virginia does as well to stay in the top ten and preserve any playoff hopes they have. Mountaineers. Yeah, I think I'm Mountaineers. Yeah, I, I think Mountaineers. I'm rooting for the uh, Oklahoma State team. I want that team to win. But what the West Virginia team is doing, throwing the football, is pretty special. And they're they're more physical than you would think. They rush the football relatively well. John Wangler, are you there? I'm here, coach. Hey, I am glad that you raked your leaves, that you'll be ready for the rest of the football season. Smacker Miles, you stay away from Baker Mayfield when he's dangerous. You hear me? Okay. And hey, listen. We have a gluten-free, dairy-free dessert waiting for Dad at home. He's a flexitarian. It's a really exciting night here. And, so we have to go. And it's representative of a birthday. I had uh, November 10th. Yeah. It's a birthday, right? See there? She's not going that far away. Hey, you know what? It's always a pleasure to gather and talk college football with, with a great friend and uh, my eldest, Smacker Miles, and John Wangler. Guys, see you later. Have fun. Go Tigers. The Players Tribune.com.